Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for another opportunity we get to gather to study, to learn, to grow, to be corrected, to be instructed, to be reminded of your truth. Thank you even for this weekend that as a global church, we get to remember and celebrate the fact that you came, you died, and you defeated death, hell, and the grave in the resurrection. Thank you because that is our hope as believers. Thank you because that is our confidence. Thank you because that has changed our lives for the better. Thank you for the gift of the cross. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for the hope of eternal life with you. And I pray, Lord, even through this weekend, that many more people will come to know you I pray that even through this weekend, many more believers will grow in the knowledge of what you've done for them and will leave this weekend with a zeal to spread in that message at any cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, good morning for most people here. Good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, um, welcome to Journey Through Second Timothy Part 2. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, I really, 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 really recommend that you find time to do so. Um, we covered a lot of ground as far as setting the foundation and the context for pretty much the entire book, right? We talked about the state of mind Paul was probably in writing this letter. We talked about how it was his last letter. We talked about the abandonment he had faced. We talked about the 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 definition of what success in ministry particularly therefore looks like this is perhaps the greatest as far as impact in the body of christ after jesus <laughs> this is someone who who had easily the run up right and look at the conditions around which his life is ending um we we talked about the role of parenting we talked about a lot of stuff a lot of a lot of a lot of important um a lot of important things we talked about spirit of power and love and of a sound mind um yeah 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 uh, i hope it blessed you if if necessary please listen to it again today we're going to continue from where we stopped last week where did we stop last week <laughs> tear out a sheet of paper where did we stop last week? <laughs> ah, I'm serious. Where did we stop last week? <laughs> I recall names. What verse? I'm, what verse did we stop? Me too, I'm not sure what verse, so I'm asking. <laughs> verse 7, verse 8. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Bookie. Hi, Damgola. Good to see you. Hi, Daisy. Yes, I believe we stopped in verse 8. Um, stopped in verse 8. Gold star. Damn it. <laughs> Bookie, you are doing... Uh, someone said I said. <laughs> anyway. Um, we we read up to verse 8. Um, we didn't really... I didn't completely explain um, verse verses 8. But verse 8. I said verses 8. But we started... So yeah, um, without any further introduction, if you need any introduction, just listen to last week. Turn your Bibles, your notepads, and let's let's go right in. Second Timothy, one verse eight. 
Paul speaking, um, he said, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Right. So he says, therefore, meaning because of what I've just said, because of the kind of spirit you have, um, because of the gift of God that is in you, don't be ashamed of the testimony of God, of Jesus and of me. We talked about that last week, right? We talked about how Paul is in prison. Paul is probably about to be executed. And so for you to identify with Paul, you're risking sharing in the same fate. And he says, don't be ashamed, but share with me. Even if it risks suffering, share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. And I talked about that last week, that the same spirit of power God has given you in verse 7, right? You could read, oh, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. And in, in context, the power of God in 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 Paul's mind as he's writing this is power to go through that shame and suffering not necessarily to take it away <laughs> but to be able to share and to stay steadfast so the power of God in this context and I, I talked about that last week is to be able to keep at all God has asked you to do regardless of the opposition of the ridicule of the shame whatever it brings whatever it brings whatever it brings right we talked about not being ashamed re realizing that an identification with christ even today might cost you but that's where power comes in that's where power comes in so yeah that was we talked about verse 8 i remember and so let's let's go on verse 9 it says who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in christ jesus before time began paul does this thing where he he packs a lot of dense theology into just a few words there's a lot in this verse first thing he says he saved us not only that he called us not only that not according to our works so it goes on right not only that it is according to his purpose according to his grace he moves on it is given to us where in christ when before time began as a good bible student you should be able to um in a sense itemize every phrase in this verse and explain it properly what does paul when he, what does paul mean when he says he has saved us he has saved us of course especially in a weekend like this we know what that means he saved us from death he saved us from from sin he saved us from the consequences of our actions how by dying for us not only that he says he called us how did he call us in the preaching of the gospel we're going to talk about that in romans 8 but in the preaching of the gospel he has called you to himself he sent his son to die and he called you to himself with a holy calling not according to our works meaning that there's nothing we did to earn us being saved we're literally people that were drowning and then the liar said ah this guy cannot swim i will go and save him 
There was nothing we did to earn that. It says it was according to his own purpose and grace. Meaning that he chose to. God was working something in Christ and he chose to save us. Not only that, it was according to grace. I like that definition. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. <laughs> right? Um, so he's saying he saved us according to his purpose and grace. Given to us where? In Christ. Before time began. So let's put it into the context of 2 Timothy. What is Paul saying? Um, pretty much he's giving another perspective, another reason or an ad additional information. Remember the idea is, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me. Right? Why? Because God has saved us. So another, another reason we get as believers to be bold, to be able to stand in a world that doesn't particularly like all that, anything, many things we stand for, let me change, many things we stand for, is to look to what Jesus has done. Every day when you wake up and you think about the gospel, it should embolden you to live for Jesus that day. Because you think about what he has done. He has saved you. He called you. He changed you without works. He chose you. Nothing you did to merit it. Yes, we can say, oh, we loved him because he first loved us. But he loved us because he just chose to love us. There was nothing intrinsically in ourselves that was deserving of love. It's something we should think about sometimes. I, I don't know if if, if 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 you ever just sit down and say, ah, why does God love me? Why does God love humanity? And I hope you don't answer that question by saying, ah, it's because it has to be my hair. It just has to be my smile. God looks at my smile and says, wow, I just love you. <laughs> you know, it, the same thing in relation, you just ask your partner, ah, why exactly are you married to me? <laughs> like, ah, what kind? In the middle of the night, 2 a.m., <laughs> you just wake, wake your partner from bed and say, come, come, come. Why exactly are you married to me? And say, ah, I like your sense of humor. I like your, is it lie? <laughs> I like, I like, you are so intelligent. I like your heart. You have such a large heart. That's not with God. <laughs> That's not, if you ask God, God, what exactly did you see in me that caused you to die? The answer is what I, I chose to. I just chose to love you. I just chose to love you. Sometimes I look at humanity and I'm like, wow, God really, it has to just be choice because there's nothing. You look at the sum total of who we are as human and you're like, ah, there's nothing. There's not, there's very little that you can, that you can see in us and say, ah, we deserve, we deserve God's love. Even the best parts of us, it's because of God. The fact that there's still anything good is God that gave us right and so we it, it's something that should even humble you in your evaluation in one sense where you you are able to look past the flaws of others because god looked past your flaws god it says god knew you fully and he still loved you fully for many of us our friends only like us because there's a part of us we've not shown them People only let you meet someone and everyone is happy and smiling. It's because we don't know each other that well. If we start to expose everybody, like, ah, 
I don't really like this guy. But God knows you. God knows your flaws. God knows your weaknesses. God knows your thoughts. The time you were you you chose to watch a movie over prayer, God was there. The time you chose to sleep over Bible study, God was there. The time you 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 were mean to a friend, the time you thought things you should not, God was there. And he still loves you fully. It should humble you. And yet, you now say, ah, eh, how, can, how can this guy do that? I, I, I deserve to be treated better. You are a liar. <laughs> you don't. Who told you you deserve to be treated better? Who told you? <laughs> so on one hand, it should, it should humble us. It should make us more forgiving of the flaws of people around us because we're all flawed. None of us deserve God's love. None of us deserve God's goodness. It is literally a gift. It is literally a gift. Literally a gift. But not only that, it should also, on one hand, it humbles us, but then it should also give us a sense of worth. That yes, so if you look at me without God, there's not much worth appreciating but god has chosen to love me anyways and so my worth is not found intrinsically in myself my worth is found in the fact that god has placed value on my life god looked at me and considered me someone worth dying for god looked at me and considered me someone worth putting his spirit in no other creature spiritual or physical can boast of that reality that i'm one with the spirit of god not even the angels and so from that sense i there's a sense of worth and responsibility as to how i ought to act and live not because humans are particularly extraordinary creatures but because god has decided so because god has decided so and that's why david is thinking is like what is man that you are mindful, like, we're greedy, we're selfish. <laughs> we just like to be lazy. <laughs> we are fighting each other. We don't get along. We are proud. We are materialistic. We cover up our weaknesses. <laughs> There's so much that is wrong with us. Just look at the world. Look at the news. It says, yet. <laughs> Say yet. You, you sense you're, you you took conflict like that there's something that um pastor and for those that know would always say like even if it's just taking on humanity alone that's that's enough ridicule for the son of god but he didn't stop there he he went ahead to suffer and die to suffer and die it's a big deal it's a big deal and something we should reflect on often honestly if we can just reflect on the gospel enough a lot of things will change for one, like we just read in this in this uh, in this verse, our boldness to live for Christ. But then, even just thinking about God's love for us, it it will make you humble. You just realize that you are no better than the person you are offended at. You are no better than the next person beside you, apart from the love and the grace of God. Say, oh, but I wouldn't do that. Eh, but you have your own weaknesses. Say, how can how can they? <laughs> Who are you? 
Really, who are you apart from someone who God has loved? Who are you? Don't you know who I am? Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Say, ah, is it finished? Because I don't deserve to be treated like that. You deserve worse. <laughs> you deserve absolutely worse. <laughs> don't, don't take yourself too highly. You are flesh and dust apart from the grace of God. You are literally dust. So, I, I hope it will at least humble you a bit. <laughs> Anyways, but it says what? God saved us according to his purpose and grace. Even before time began. And we talked about this at length when we went through Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians 1, Paul just goes all out. Oh, we are chosen, we are predestined, we are adopted as sons, we are accepted in the beloved, we are redeemed through his blood, we are forgiven, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and we are given the earnest of our inheritance. We are called with a heavenly calling. He goes on in chapter 2 and chapter 3. This is God's plan from the beginning of time that Jews, Gentiles, every nation, brought into God's family through his son. And so Paul is telling Timothy, anytime you think about this, let it encourage you. Let it give you a reason to not be ashamed. He goes on in verse 10. It says that it was this was God's plan even before the beginning of time. A family under Christ. We talked about that in Ephesians. And it says it has now being revealed by the appearing of our savior jesus christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel again amazing phrases that we can unpack one at a time and in this season of easter i don't think there's any better time to discuss a verse like this that first of all Jesus was always God's plan and it was revealed when it was revealed in the incarnation Christmas well I'm not saying before the people say really is that the day Jesus died it doesn't matter we've picked a day as a church to celebrate the birth why do you have issues with it what is the big deal say it is Easter is that really the day and the time that Jesus died does it matter? We've picked a weekend to celebrate that fact. As believers, we live every day thinking about this one thing. So what if we pick a day and say, oh, it's not, it's not exactly the day. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I don't get I don't get why we, we have very unnecessary arguments. Very unnecessary. Anyways, but yes, it says it is revealed through the appearing of our Savior who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel and this is a big deal what paul is saying is that in the resurrection of jesus the moment jesus got out of that grave tomorrow morning <laughs> let me annoy even more people tomorrow morning right the moment jesus stepped out of that grave and people saw him the moment he ascended, never to die again. Paul is saying that he did what? Number one, he abolished death. He destroyed. He made death powerless. 
He made death powerless. That's what that word means. To render completely idle. To render completely idle. That in the resurrection of Jesus, death has no power. Think about that. Because someone has, it's almost like someone has finally defeated death. And not only that, it has, he has shown us how to do it also. That for anyone who uses his method, we can beat death as well. In his resurrection, he abolished death. Not only that, he brought life and immortality to light. So he, he showed that it was possible for people to live forever. He showed that it was possible for people to live forever. And that right there is the, you know, when, if you watch a business pitch, like Shark Tank and all these things, or like startups, or if you want, if you want to draft a business plan, there's something they always ask. What is your unique selling point? What is that one thing that you are offering to the market that isn't already there? What is that one thing that would make people want to choose your product? What is the unique selling point of the gospel? Is that beyond any other religion, the founder of our faith has proven in his own life that death can be defeated. It's not mere say. It's not. It's not mere philosophy. It's not just I think. I. I, I think. I think. What happens after we die? Oh, the Muslims will say, "Oh, your 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 works get tried, and then you get seven virgins." <laughs> so what happens to the virgins when they die? They get one man. <laughs> or or what happens when you die oh you get you get reincarnated and you just keep doing that process when you fade off the karmic cycle how do you know i just know a wise guru in my faith has meditated and he came to that conclusion have you talked to someone that was reincarnated and remembered his past life no <laughs> have you talked to someone that got seven versions no so how are you sure but when you, you ask a Christian, you ask a believer, what happens after we die? Oh, I said, oh, for those who die in Christ, they will come back and live forever. How do you know? Because Jesus did. We have proof. That is, in quote, our unique selling point. More than any religion in the world, we have proof. The resurrection gives us guarantee that death is not the end. That's why it's the same thing Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, okay, we are of all men to be pitied. We are, we, are, we are just wasting our time. You might as well just put up a bunny costume and go on an Easter egg on tomorrow. But if Jesus rose from the dead, hallelujah, if that actually happened, it changes everything. All of a sudden, we know for sure that there is life after death. We know for sure that death can be defeated. We know for sure that there is such a thing as the life that God offers that never ends. We know. We know. We know. We know. And so, that is all Paul is thinking about and he's like, you think about the resurrection, you think about the gospel, and all of a sudden, you're not ashamed. You're not ashamed. You're not ashamed. He says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentile. 
a preacher an apostle a teacher of the gentiles the word preacher is to simply to proclaim a message to proclaim a message an apostle is someone who has been sent on an assignment a teacher is someone who explains truth so that people can grow in knowledge and he's saying i'm all these three i was sent to proclaim this message to tell people jesus is risen from the dead not only that i was sent and equipped to do this particular work and finally i was sent to teach people to grow in this truth of what jesus has done of what jesus has done so think about it like as in the mind of timothy or in the mind of any of the disciples like think about what is going on through their minds god has chosen them to be stewards of the greatest message of mankind all of creation has been pointing to this moment that god from the beginning of time has decided that in jesus i would restore all things and then he picks 12. imagine if you were there he picks Anne. he picks victoria delight says the gospel is resting on your hearts or in your mouth go and preach think about the the weight of that responsibility the seriousness the honor the privilege of carrying such a message and that's what paul is telling Timothy: don't be ashamed it's a big deal paul is like i might be in prison but the work out it, it's it's an honor to have even gotten to preach this message to the gentiles don't be ashamed and for us now we might live in a world where we say oh even if i don't preach someone else will probably paul didn't have that love if he doesn't if he didn't preach who preach if peter did not share the gospel who shared the gospel but don't get so carried away that oh there are many people preaching the gospel now i can just relax no no at the end of the day the weight of the message we carry is still just as heavy the responsibility and the honor and the work that we've been called to is still just as big of a deal the worth of a soul that you can reach is still such a big deal to God. And so just like Paul is telling Timothy, I'm telling you today, don't be ashamed. Think about the weight of what you received in Christ. Think about the responsibility it puts on you and be bold. Be bold. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Amen. Verse 12, it says, for this reason i also suffer these things nevertheless i'm not ashamed it's the same thing so paul isn't asking timothy to do something that he's not doing his life is an example that timothy everything i'm asking you to do you can look at my life and see that i've already done it you can see that at no point did i cower in fear when the gospel was under attack at no point did i run away when I could have stood for Christ. And he's saying, do the same thing. And as believers, we can look to Paul. We can look to Timothy. We can look to people around us. Hopefully your spiritual leaders in whatever church you go to. Church history, you can look at the lives of people that chose God, even if it meant death. Even if it meant death. Even if it meant shame. Even if it meant ridicule. You can read the stories of people that were ostracized by their families because they chose to follow God. 
and God is asking you to do the same. Pick up your cross. The cross there refers to anything it would cost you to identify with Christ. Pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. Amen. So, again, I think I was in the wrong. Okay, yes, I'm back. Yes. It says, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I love this verse so much. Again, Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know the gospel. I know Jesus. I know him. I know what he has done for me. I know who he is. How do we find the strength to face whatever shame and suffering this life has to throw at us following Jesus? We know who we have believed. We know what we have believed. We know the hope that is in store for us. He's saying, I am persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed. I, I lean with the majority interpretation of this verse. What has, what has Paul committed to him? He has committed his soul. He's able to keep my soul. For the man who has believed in Jesus, there is an assurance. I know for sure that my hope will not be disappointed. Therefore, I can go all out. Why? Because I cannot lose my life living for Christ. Think about that. That's what Paul is saying. He's going to keep my soul. And so there's, it's like, there's nothing to worry about. It's kind of like insurance, right? Imagine if insurance companies actually did what they were supposed to do well. And they say, any damage on this car will replace it immediately. Free. Any damage. There's a confidence it brings. You're not worried. You're like, ah, if they scratch my car, they'll replace it. Ah, if they tear my tire, they'll replace it. Ah, if my windshield cracks, they'll replace it. There's a confidence that comes from security that Paul has that is encouraging every believer to have. Do you have that confidence? Is it the same thing if you if you play video games and you there's um <clears throat> if you're like me. And you were not so good playing video games. We have cheat codes. I remember Bounce. Do you guys play Bounce or Nokia? Right? Um, 787898. I think that one gives you unlimited lives. And then 787899. Then you can switch levels as you please. Right? Because I could never pass uh, level 11 or level 7. One of them. I can't remember. I could never. I tried without. I could just not pass that level. But then once you do 7879 and you are you don't care, you are willing to go all out like what will happen? I cannot bust anymore. <laughs> right? Unlimited life. That is exactly what Paul is saying. I have found the cheat code to eternal life. I cannot die. Literally, he is able to keep my soul. So, what is prison? What is insults? What is suffering? What is shame? Think about that. And that's what Jesus was saying. When he was, he was, he, he told the disciples, Matthew 10, 28, don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both the body and soul in hell. 
That is the perspective that if truly my life is secure in Christ, there's nothing in this world that should, should make me afraid. There's nothing in this world that should um, that I would somehow cower in fear as a result of. And of course, I, I know it's easier said than done. Even for myself, no one has ever pointed a gun at my head. But it's still something we can meditate on and make a reality. I read story, you, 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 there's, there's this story of, I, I don't know how true it is, but it's a very common Christian persecution story. And they were asked to strip themselves. I think there were, was it 30 of them? Um, they were sentenced to die. And well, how were they to die? Cold winter, take off all your clothes, go on the boat, push you out in the water. So they were going to freeze to death. And they were, as they, they took off their clothes, they were just singing. I think 30 for Jesus or something like that. I think one of them, it says that, oh, one of them was like, I'm not doing this Jesus thing again. Went, got warm, denied the gospel. But the remaining 29, they just kept singing. They just kept singing. Some of them had even started to die. It says one of the soldiers that was looking at them, he got so moved, he took off his clothes and went to join them to die. That's security. That's security. There's another story. Again, I don't know how true. These are just things you hear, right? Of um, like when Emperor Nero was persecuting the Christians and he'll put them in the Colosseum to be eaten by the lions. And saying they are, these people are singing psalms, singing hymns as they are dying. It's, it's said that as um, Peter was hanging upside down the cross, he was still encouraging the believers to stand firm. <laughs> Do you know how crazy that you are dying? Saying, guys... Just keep going. Just keep going. Why? I know he's able to keep what I've committed to him. You have that assurance that death has been defeated. So I secure. I am secure in God. I have eternal life. I know that God is able to keep my soul. Therefore, I can live for him. Again, the mindset of the believer is that what? I can never lose my life living for Christ. Even in death, I have not lost. Even in death, I have not lost. Same thing Jesus says, John 12, 25. John 12, 25. It says, let's start from 24. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much gain, much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world. And again, the comparison there is not, it's not like you wake up and say, I hate my life in this world. <laughs> Why am I going to work? I hate my life. You are a liar. You have simply twisted the Bible to justify your poor career choices. <laughs> that's not what Jesus is saying. Again, when you see that love-hate um, comparison, that's literally what it is. It's a comparison. It's that your life on this world, you don't hold, like, compared to what following Jesus would mean, You, it's it doesn't even stand a chance. So Jesus will say things like, unless you hate your mother, your father, your partner, 
you can't be my disciple what is he saying say mommy dad i hate you i absolutely why because i want to follow jesus no it's it's it's, it's when just uses love and hate it's priority it's preference that unless i come first whenever the demands of john 12 25 whenever whenever the demands of being a son versus being my disciple clash you would always choose being a disciple wherever being a husband being a wife clashes with being a follower of christ you would always choose being a follower of christ and so what jesus is saying in john 12 25 is the same thing wherever your life in this world clashes with following jesus don't choose your life in this world it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense christ first over your ambitions over your aspirations until you are willing to to choose following christ no matter what it will cost you financially in relationships you've not really started living because like jesus said for you to truly live you must die for you to truly find life you must let it go only know you love it when you let it go <laughs> that's the word of the lord to you <laughs> you truly are living when you realize that true life is found in following jesus even if it means losing the life you already have but like jesus and the apostles and history has shown it is always worth it it is always worth it it is always worth it so again paul is reminding timothy i am not ashamed to suffer for christ because i know that my life is secure no one loses their life following jesus even in death let those words saturate your mind let it embolden you let it give you a perspective where you're willing to go all out for the cross all out for the gospel why because like paul you can say i know whom i have believed i am persuaded he's able to keep what i've committed to him until that day amen let's go on verse 13 hold fast the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love which are in christ jesus hold fast the pattern of sound words. you can highlight that phrase the pattern of sound words meaning the things you've heard me teach hold it fast don't get creative with the content we're going to see that in second timothy 2 verse 2 where the requirement was to choose faithful men and we're going to talk about that but whatever you've heard in the gospel there's a joke i usually share with my friends that um easter is perhaps maybe that one sunday that at least every church in the world is christocentric finally finally the sermon is not going to be about us well some people still find ways to surprise us but the sermon will be about what jesus has done and who we are as a result it won't be about <laughs> well again people have found ways to surprise us <laughs> but that's the point don't get creative with the content 
the presentation can always be modified to appeal to the people you're living with but preserve the message preserve the emphasis preserve that pattern of sound words in faith 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 referring to what faith in the lord faith in the message and a love for the lord and in the message hold fast so timothy don't change mouth that's what paul is saying and he goes on and says that good thing which was committed to you keep by the holy spirit that dwells in us what is that good thing referring to again it's a continuation of verse 13 it's the gospel he says it in first timothy 6 verse 20 and you can look there quickly first timothy 6 verse 20 oh timothy guard what was committed to your trust avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge so what has been committed to trust the trust of timothy it's the message of the gospel as a as a teacher as an elder as an apostle to the church at ephesus the gospel has been committed to your care guard it and that's what he's telling timothy again in second timothy 1 verse 14 that good thing that gospel that message of love all i've just talked about of jesus abolishing death jesus bringing life and immortality to light jesus saving us without anything we could have done keep that message don't compromise in the preaching and the teaching of the gospel keep by the holy spirit and then he goes on in verse 15 this you know that all those in asia have turned away from me and i talked about this in the introduction very sad very sad paul is in the last years of his life and because of persecution all the people that he worked with well all is not literal but like the majority of them they've turned away from him they're like i don't i don't know paul i don't it's kind of like when jesus was arrested and that night they all scattered they said ah peter you sound like them said, me jeez gee what i've in my is it uh, you swear i've never i've never never seen that man in my life i said ah, said, ah. look at your accent it's, ah he even wanted to fight it's, it's i'm not in your mood i've never seen this man in my life and that's the same thing paul gets arrested paul is about to be killed because of the gospel and his partners abandon him and i think there are many ways we can see this first of all from the perspective of paul what is going on through his mind i'm sure he'll be like was it all for nothing so even do, do, again i told you there's nothing that makes us hard guys per se like you can see paul's heart so paul will be like demas but we, we, I thought we loved the Lord together. Think about the heartbreak in this verse. Sometimes literally, all in Asia have turned away from me. Hey, yeah. Think about how Paul felt. Think about the heartbreak that following Jesus at all costs brought him. He's losing companions that they've suffered together. They're like, I will follow you, Jesus. They all said it together. They all went out together. And when it got hard, these are people that are leaving. Think about the heartbreak. It's like, ah, was it all for nothing? So is it even you? Even you? Even you? 
think about what that means for the people that actually turned away from him. Because mind you, these are not baby, baby Christians. Right? For you to be following Paul, think about all you would have learned about the gospel, about ministry, firsthand. And the moment your life is on the line, you say, ah, Paul, it has been a good journey. I feel like the Lord is calling me, <laughs> calling me elsewhere. <laughs> the same, ah, Paul, like, eh, God is calling you elsewhere. No, I'll go in peace. But again, like I said, these are not these are not babies. These are these are these are believers. These are believers. Of course, they are not necessarily like denying the gospel, or right? they are not saying they are no more Christians. But they are not standing with Paul in suffering. They are not standing with Paul in suffering. So think about if you were in their shoes, what would you have done? And of course, we might not have answers to these questions, but these are things that should stir us up in prayer. These are things we can start to prepare ourselves that God build in me a fortitude that nothing this world throws at me will change my conviction, will change my commitment to serving you. Build that kind of fortitude in me. Because these guys clearly did not have it, and of course, I'm not even I'm not even shaming them because I don't I don't know if I would have done any different. For them to have even come to this point, they've probably even suffered up to a point. It's just that maybe they were not really to ready to die painful deaths. I don't know if I would have done any different, but it's something we can pray that God let there be such a boldness, such an overwhelming awareness of what you have done. That I'm willing to go all out, literally all out for you. For some of us is is uh we don't want our friends to block us. That is our own shame. <laughs> and, huh? No, not necessary. There's nothing in the text that suggests they denied the gospel. They just did not stand with Paul in suffering. In this verse, there's nothing here that says that they are no more saved. Or no, 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 no. Um, not yet, <laughs> not yet. Um, you can't infer that from the verse it just says people in asia have turned away so they're like i don't know paul i mean i'm not i'm not with paul in this one let emperor nero deal with him alone right they might still actually um identify with the gospel but um what was i saying can't remember actually can't remember oh well (laughs) um Yes, I was saying that for some of us, it's, it's a, ah, if I post, if I retweet this thing now, they say, ah, so you are a Jesus follower too? And I don't want that. <laughs> Pray. Pray for boldness. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Again, thinking about Paul, think about how people would have viewed him. Like I said at the start of 2 Timothy, that especially in ministry, the sign of success is hardly ever merely external. It's not just somebody say, say, wow, this is a successful man of God. Especially in this social media world that we live in where we tend to validate everything by numbers and reach. Be very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful. At the end of Paul's life, these are ministry companions. They are all saying, 
I'm not with Paul. It's very easy to say, ah, Paul has missed it. Paul has bad, bad interpersonal relations. I knew, I knew that when Barnabas left, I knew Paul, Paul doesn't get along with people. It's very easy to say that. <laughs> it's very easy to say that. You don't know the true story, so be very careful. Don't be quick to judge based on external external appearances, external occurrences. In the world we live in, in this internet world, don't ever mistake confidence for competence. Just because someone looks like they know what they are saying, doesn't mean they know what they are saying. Don't ever assume that public validation is a sign of authentic work. Don't think so. Don't think so. Don't ever confuse approval for accuracy. Oh, a million people liked this tweet. This tweet must be true. No. No. Be very careful of just group mindsets. That just because just because someone has a great you say oh ah, this person i can't trust them <laughs> no no there are, there's a high chance if paul was in the social media world at the end of his life everybody would have unfollowed do you know many people would have unfollowed him they say ah i knew it i knew it secret sin it has caught up with him keep quiet what do you know what do you know by the time other influential uh, people on Instagram, they start to unfollow him and say, oh, you know, Paul is probably going too far, right? They'll try to clear their name. Like, ah, I knew it. I knew it. You two say, Paul, unfollow. <laughs> unfollow. No. No. God doesn't judge the way the world judges. Even since the time where he was choosing David, he says, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Don't be quick to judge people. Don't be quick to judge ministries. Don't be quick to judge God's work. For good or for bad, just because of what you can see on the outside. There's a lot that when they stand before God, God will ask them the right questions. You don't know what God would ask them. The best we can do right now is even just evaluate, is the message consistent with Christ? Is there lasting fruit in the lives of the followers? Those are the right questions to ask right now. And even with just those questions, you will find out soon enough that the most eloquent, the most charismatic, and I don't mean spiritual gifts, I mean like demonstrations and gestures and all of that, they, they don't always have the most helpful Christian content. Not necessarily. It's not, it's not a direct uh, correlation. So be discerning. Be very discerning. Don't be swept up by hype, by popularity, by, uh, what's the word? Glamour. No, 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 no. You're a believer. You're more responsible than that. Amen. Anyways, let's go on. You know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Figelos and Emogenes. <laughs> Right, Philos and Emogenes. It says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus 
Maybe you can name your son that. Onesiphorus. <laughs> but he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. So do you see, that's what he's talking about. That there's this, at least there's this one family that they, they are not ashamed to bring stuff to me in prison. To say, oh, who are you here to see? I'm here to see Paul. Oh, you know Paul? Paul is your friend. He said, yes, actually, Paul is my friend. They were not ashamed. It says, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So this is not a one-time thing. Onesimus was taking, I said Onesimus, Onesiphorus had been taking care of Paul even when Paul was in Ephesus. Maybe he's a businessman traveling around and doing his stuff. But whenever Paul is, oh, Paul is here, let's go visit him. Let's go take care of him. And now he hears Paul has been arrested in, in Rome. It's like, I would still do my best. It's not, it, it's not as simple as, oh, he's just bringing food. Oh, he's selling. He said, Paul, sell $250. Say, God bless you. No, this was identification. This was bringing himself in such a close proximity to Paul that if the emperor snapped, Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus would be in jail the next day. He's risking shame and Rico on his entire family for the gospel's sake. And he's saying, be like this person. Be intentional about caring, about supporting those ridiculed for Christ. Be intentional about caring and supporting ministers of the gospel. Don't ever, for the sake of saving face, shrink back from anything the gospel demands. So, oh, are you a Christian? Yes. Yes. So, oh, you're part of all these bigots that believe that homosexuality is a sin. Oh, so you people believe that there's resurrection? I said, yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe not exactly in the way you said it, but by and large, yes. See, I cannot even deal with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. I'm sorry. I'm a Christian and I'm not going to apologize about it. That's the mindset. That's the mindset. Amen. And so you see from chapter one, very, very personal very very profound things to learn this is a man of god in prison about to die and look at the things he has to share reminding the reader timothy and by extension we two thousand years later stand for the gospel there's nothing to be ashamed of be bold god has given you power love and self-control don't be afraid be like me like Paul, not like, don't be like me, be like Paul. <laughs> Identify with the gospel regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. Amen. All right, let's go on to chapter two. We actually made it. Thank God I didn't promise so that if I didn't, say, ah, <laughs> let's go on. Chapter two, verse one. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. So it's the same thing he said. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He's saying the same thing. Be strong. Be strong. In the world that you live in, there will be many occurrences, many opportunities where you can choose to be weak. He's saying, by the grace of God, be strong. And that's so refreshing because it lets you know that the strength of the believer does not come, it's not through will. It's not through talking yourself into doing so. It's not like going into a culture. I don't know. 
well like me in university i i eat i till now i eat cold water like i would probably rather go without having my bath than bath with cold water and so every time i'm in the shower let's say it's in school then because we didn't have hot water running i would for like five minutes it's just mental prep you can do this daniel you can do this you can do this and then you just jump and scream <laughs> it's cold that is not what we do to follow christ say you can do this you can follow christ no 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 it's not mental gymnastics there is such a thing as the grace of god that is able to account for your weaknesses that is able to bring boldness where your natural man is weak that is able to bring strength that is able to bring confidence how do you how do you be strong in the grace of god through prayer through meditation on the word of god and so what you start to find is just like acts 4 it says if you preach the, the pharisees told if you preach in the name we will kill you and they were afraid that's the right response if someone says if you do this and i will kill you you should be afraid if you're not afraid there's something wrong with you <laughs> you should be afraid it says but they prayed and they were filled with boldness that was the grace of god that was the grace of god and that's the only way we can do life as believers when you read stories of people that they pointed a gun to their head and they said i'm still here, and they shot them and they died it's the grace of god it's the grace of god and so as a believer realize that god has not called like i said anything god instructs you in his word it's not because he's insensitive it's not because like oh man up man up you are you are too weak no there is grace made available to be all that he has called you to be and so when god says love your enemies it's hard let's be honest it's hard there is grace when god says forgive those who have hurt you say who intentionally hurt you it's hard but there's grace when god says stand for me even in the in, in with the shame and the ridicule that it might bring might or might not it's hard but there is grace when God says, wake up every day and decide to live for me, not for yourself. It's hard, but there is grace. And so don't be that believer sometimes in a bit to want to empathize or understand what people are going through. We say, ah, don't worry. Just let's, no, 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 no. We've been called to a higher standard and we can meet that standard because there is grace. Don't say, ah, leave Bible. Say, let's be realistic now. What do you mean? All these Christians, they are, my pastor is so unrealistic. How can he expect? Because there is grace. Because there is grace. There's a song I hate so much. Even though I like the guy, <laughs> I hate the song so much. Um, This rapper, Toby Wigwe, try Jesus, but don't try me because I throw hands. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and believers, you will be ah, try Jesus. I say, are you okay? Do you know you're singing? There is grace that they will try you. And just like Jesus, you will not throw hands. You will not throw hands. Say, you think because I'm a Christian, Abby? You think you can? <laughs> Calm down. Man of God, woman of God, there is grace. And so as believers, a huge part of our sanctification, a huge part of our devotion is growing 
to realize and to walk in that grace that God has given us to actually live the kind of lives he has called us to, to live. It's not easy, but there is grace. It's not easy, but there is grace. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I understand, but there is grace. I don't feel like I can be consistent in prayer. I understand, but there is grace. I don't feel like I can forgive this guy. This guy really hurt me. You don't say, sir, you don't understand. Maybe I don't. There is grace, but there is grace. You want me to love this, this person? Do you know what they have done? I don't know. Jesus does. And Jesus expects you to. Why? There is grace. Say, ah, sir, I'm, you don't know it will, you don't know what it will cost me if I if I identify with Christ at my office. I might miss out on promotions. I'm sorry, but there is grace. I know it's hard, but there is grace. Ah, I, I don't know if I can share the gospel with this, but I don't I get it's hard, but there is grace. There is grace. And so, like Paul is saying to Timothy. Let these words encourage you. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Be strong in the grace that is in. Take advantage of that in your prayers. Like, yes, I know it's hard in the natural. I know it's hard in my ability. I might even say, oh, I don't have the, prayer, the temperament, the personality type for this. But there is grace. To be all that God has called me to be, there is grace. To do all that God has called me to do, there is grace. There is grace. Thank you. Yes, that's a good student of JTT. She remembers our definition. <laughs> there is grace. All right, let's go on. Verse 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is like memory verse. Depending on what church you could teach, I've probably heard this so many times so many times so many times what is he telling timothy the things you've heard me teach the same thing he told him in chapter one the gospel the message commit to what eloquent men who teach others also commit to charismatic men who teach others also commit to what charm that you just like say this pastor is fine <laughs> Those are the men you should commit this message to. No. It is committed to what? Faithful men. What is the paramount criteria that Timothy is supposed to look for in a person? To say, ah, this is someone I can trust. To take over from where I stop. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. What is that? That whatever you received, is the same way you received it, is the same way you give it. I always describe faithfulness with an example. I heard this from a pastor once. He said that a faithful person is, using this example, you want to travel. You want to travel and you want security, right? And you call someone, guard this house. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Let nothing get missing. That's the assignment. And then you come back after two weeks and the walls are freshly painted. Say, wow. He cleaned the house. Say, wow. Uh -uh. Wow. He, he fed, let's say you had, he fed the pets. He even upgraded your TV. He put surround sound system. 
he put lights outside your house he made it sense so as soon as you walk in you just say welcome home and the lights go on. say wow ah, ah. See, you overdo but then you you get into your room and you can't find your passport anymore <laughs> it's gone <laughs> it's gone is that a faithful person no yes those other things were nice but he was there to guard that that was the assignment you gave him everything else thank god but on this on when he's been evaluated he failed the test why he didn't do what he was asked to do something got stolen something got stolen many times we approach well not us but there can be a tendency to to do ministry the same way we go for everything else but the one thing that god will judge us on how accurate the message is we have everything else everything else and like wow this is ministry <laughs> but the one thing that truly matters is sound message and proper discipleship missing you do, well everyone will give account you give account and so paul is saying timothy i'm dying you too you don't have all eternity on this earth commit this message to faithful men to faithful men because at the end of the day christianity is literally a message to be believed to be taught and believed. that beyond the buildings beyond anything else beyond the social programs beyond every when you strip salvation to its core or christianity it is simply a message that is taught and believed and so if that message gets compromised you've compromised christianity and so that's why faithfulness is the paramount character people that will not because of pressure or because of pleasure change the content of this message people that won't water down the emphasis where it's where the word of god corrects they will correct where the word of god instructs they will instruct they won't change the message so that more people will listen to them they won't start to preach um prosperity health and wealth just so that people like them they won't shy away from condemning sin just so that people would say ah, i like he's not he's not controversial <laughs> he's not controversial faithful men and that's the question for you today are you faithful do you take the word of god in its entirety the parts you like the parts you don't like and you say this is the word of god i have no choice but to proclaim it as the word of god that is the number one character trait that paul is like timothy look out for these kind of people people that won't change the message for anything amen because at the end of the day the message is all we have the message is all we have it's all we have all right final couple of verses for today and then we would call it a day i'll read from verse 3 to verse 7 and then we'll, we'll look into it you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of christ no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life 
that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. So, again, Paul is still talking about ministry, in case you're not sure. All right, he's talking to Timothy, be strong for the Lord, stand for the gospel, all those stuff. Appoint good men, um, be strong. And he gives them three people. Paul is trying to describe the demands of ministry. And he describes it, or he likens it to three professions. So, take, take, pay attention. The first one is a soldier. The second one is an athlete. The third is a farmer. If you've spent any time at all reading through the Bible, you've, you've come across these analogies several times. So for instance, Roman centurion, it says, I'm a man under authority. I, I get how this works. Just speak the word. The, for, for athletes, Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, we read about it, right? run it says i put myself under subjection everyone runs run that you may obtain the prize same thing with farmers the gospel is described as the sowing of seeds eternal life is described as the seed dying and sprouting we've seen all these analogies before and now paul is using those three professions to describe what it means to be a follower of jesus because whenever i say ministry i don't want you to start saying oh thank god i'm a career person <laughs> I don't have ministry. Thank God. Me, I cannot do all of this. Yes, you might not be called into ministry to a certain capacity. But as believers, following Jesus is service. It's ministry. We've all been called to represent and to preach the gospel in our day. And so everything we are reading applies to you. The demands might not be as evident in your life as it is in someone else's life. But the demands are there nonetheless. And so everyone here and everyone listening to this recording we are soldiers we are athletes we are farmers now what does paul want to emphasize so you can maybe write a small table it's been a while we drew tables in first corinthians we had a table of like what are the traits of a minister you can the first column can be occupation the second column can be traits right i don't know if that makes sense but <laughs> i hope it does um maybe in romans i would actually have a whiteboard and i'll be writing stuff down as we're teaching just so that no one is confused but the first person is a soldier and what are the two traits he says in verse three he says endure hardship so the first trait of the soldier is what endurance 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 if you if you've ever watched like youtube videos of like navy seal training have you have you seen, in fact, forget YouTube videos, just NYSC. For those who grew up in Nigeria, I remember NYSC. It was 5 a.m. You stand up. That is enduring hardship. You don't want to get up at that time, but you have to. Is it time for morning? Turn left. Nobody cares where you say, sir. I would really like us to turn right. 
That is your business. <laughs> you turn left. Under the sun and in the rain. <laughs> in our NYC camp, there was a time it was raining and they still made us do marching drills. I felt sick and I had to leave camp. Clearly, I have not made to endure hardship, as you can see. I was only in camp for one week out of the three. <laughs> we marched in the rain. The next day, I broke down. I was sick. The day after, my mom came, picked me up, drove me home. I came back at the last day of camp to pick up my designation letter. Glory to God. <laughs> but you get the point. Soldiers were made to end. You look at their training. Rigorous, intense nobody cares i say if you cannot if you can't keep up go home that's what they tell you go home <laughs> and so paul is describing ministry and the first thing he says, he says timothy you are a soldier therefore you must endure hardship say ah i i asked them if they had the time to, moment to listen and they said no i feel so bad oh god you are a soldier endure hardship oh my god this friend just insulted me. He said, I am close-minded and bigoted. I feel so bad. Really? You are a soldier. Endure hardship. He says, wow. I am tired. I don't want to pray. He said, what? You are a soldier. Endure hardship. He said, ah, this, this Bible study thing is so hard. You are getting it. You are getting it. It's hard. <laughs> that, is, that is it. Endure hardship endure hardship say wow this christianity thing now ah, that, that, now you are you are getting it you're getting it. as you're feeling this is yes that, that's, that's it endure hardship as a good soldier of christ you want to follow jesus endure hardship the next thing he says no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier again if you grew up in nigeria i don't know how it is here but if you've heard that, heard that word before bloody civilian and it's just that idea that the way a soldier thinks is different from the way a civilian thinks all right they are way more disciplined way more they are just different <laughs> they are built different literally but then the emphasis from verse 4 is what? It's focus. So again, we're describing what? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to do ministry? Number one, endure hardship. Number two, focus. <laughs> Thank God people on the podcast can't see that. <laughs> you focus. You focus. Civilians have a ton. They have to drop their kids at school. You know, they have to get to work. You know, they have to uh, go to the movies with their friends. They are entangled. If you're in the, if you've, you've been dispatched, you're in the war zone. What concerns you with John Wick that just came out? What concerns you with taking out the trash? Those are civilian affairs. All you are focused on is what is my commander? What is the next instruction my commander is giving me? And what, what, what Paul is not saying, he's not saying that um, um, you don't, you, you shouldn't engage in secular occupations, you shouldn't have a nine to five. No, of course not. Paul worked as a tent maker while he was preaching the gospel 
and planting churches. The emphasis is the word entangle. Meaning that at no point in following Jesus should the things of this world become your primary focus. Whether it's career, whether it's even family. Compa- Again, this is compared to following Jesus. Because in following Jesus, you learn to behave in family. In following Jesus, you learn to behave in career. But the demands of anything else in this life should never outweigh your commitment to Christ. The moment for a certain period of time you found out that because of some something else, you've not been able to pray, you've not been able to study, check it. You are being entangled with the things of this world. The moment if it turns out that because of whatever secular commitment, you can't be as productive to the gospel as you feel God is calling you to be, check it. You are a soldier. Your, your commander says, forward march. It doesn't matter what you were doing before forward. You forward march. You forward march. Jesus, the disciples, they were fishing. He says, follow me. It's like, it was literally an order. Follow me. Just, yes, sir. Drop everything and follow him. And follow him. That is the mindset of a believer. That's the mindset of whatever God says. I don't care what it will cost. I don't care what I have to do away with. My own is to yes, sir, and follow. So behavior number one, endurance to endure hardship. Number two, focus on the commands of the master, regardless of your preferences, regardless of your entanglements, your commitments. If God says go, you go. Number three, verse five, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so this refers to pattern or or the how of following. There is a way, there's a how to follow God. There is a how to do ministry. There are things that God has called us to do that just like athletes, you think about Olympic runners for four years. Every day you are training. Every day you have to eat a certain kind of. There's a discipline that it, that comes with the life of an athlete. You can't just say, "Ah, let's just eat cake and pizza." You say, "Ah, I have a race. I can't eat that. I can't eat that." Not only that, you get on the track. You don't start running until the gun goes. If if you start running, strike one, strike two, you are disqualified. Same thing, as you are running, you stay in your lane. That's an athlete. You stay in your lane. There is a how. There are things, there's a how God has said you should do. There is a timing. God has said, do this at this time. You say, ah, God, I think it's best if we do it now. No, you are an athlete. You are a soldier, you are an athlete. You can't do it. You, you wait until the gun fires. You stay in your lane. You don't, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't lose your self-control. You don't, you don't just indulge in whatever this world, why? You are an athlete and you will not be crowned unless you compete according to the rules. That's literally what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I discipline my body. Yes, we're an athlete now. And so for athlete, discipline and pattern or rules, whichever one you want to, 
which however strict you want to be with yourself i mean it's still all related right soldiers also have rules but like for the athlete it's that there's a reward but then for for that reward for you to participate in that reward there is a how there is a how so i said i don't i i can't find the right phrasing but i said pattern or rules whichever one you want to there is a how to do it so the same way he said be a faithful minister the moment you start preaching another gospel disqualified <laughs> disqualified that's the point you don't get the prize unless you run according to the rules same thing as a minister there is a how there is a what to teach there is a how to teach it there is a what to emphasize and so unless you play by those rules you're not going to get the prize and because of time the last one is what the hard-working farmer is the first to partake of the crop so the last occupation is a farmer and what is the word hard-working just like the athlete there is a reward there is a harvest there is a price but the only way you're going to get a prize or a harvest is by being hardworking. The word hardworking is the word kopiao in the Greek. K-O-P-I-A-O. I'm saying this word because I like the meaning. It means to feel fatigue. <laughs> that is the word hard, to get tired. So it, it will drain you. Say, say, oh, this fallen is so drained. I'm, I'm tired. Yes, yes, yes. He gives grace. But it's because you are tired, he gives grace. <laughs> Jesus was tired in the garden. He said, God, if it is possible, let this come. He says, nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. He said, ah, ah, evangelism on Saturday, church on Sunday, Bible study on Wednesday, prayer on Friday. Ah, ah, can we not rest? No, <laughs> you will not rest. You are a hardworking farmer. And until the harvest comes, you will feel fatigue. <laughs> that is the mindset of a minister, of a believer. You will feel fatigue. Say, God, can I, can I just not take a break? No. <laughs> no break. No, as in no holiday for Imago Day. <laughs> and of course, there are practical, and don't get me wrong. Um, people take some of these things and then go on extremes. They don't sleep well. They don't take care of their health stuff like that or churches now run into ridiculous monday prayers that are not actually defined that's not what i'm talking about that's um let's consider all of scripture right that's an extreme right but there is a sense in which the demands of following god jesus called it a cross it's not do you know how hard it is to carry wood i don't know if you've ever even just small wood wood is heavy your dress your dresser have you tried carrying it before? Now imagine a cross. And Jesus said that unless you take up your cross, you can't follow me. Meaning there will, there will be commitments. There will be demands on your life that will sometimes seem difficult. But like Paul says, you are a hardworking farmer. You were made to feel fatigue. <laughs> that is, it's, it's part of the say job description of a follower of Christ. You say, must be able to endure hardship, number one. Must not be entangled with the affairs of this life, number two. Must be disciplined to compete according to the rules, number three. Number four, must, must be willing 
to feel fatigue. That literally, that is the job description. <laughs> if you, hey, you can, you can do the work. You can do the work. You can do the work. That is what I was going to talk on. Yeah, so I was, I was, that I was going to, I was going to. It says like meta. I was going to talk on that. That there is a sense in which even regardless, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. There is a sense in which there is delight that comes from the gospel. But it doesn't take away the fact that there will be inconveniences. You can feel it's worth it. It's it's kind of kind of a like let's say you have a child. For people any for any mother or any father at least good mothers and fathers listening to this you know what the demand of a child especially in the first few months your sleep is gone you <laughs> bookie say i know <laughs> please oh, may you not know what you should not know before time but you love the child like you love the child but they are just that they're like you want to scream there was my my co-worker her sister gave birth that so there was a um, one of these days I think she wanted to go for a walk and as soon as she got downstairs the baby started crying and then she just started crying she's like so I can't even go for a walk again what is all this what is all this it's not at that point do you love your child of course I love my child <laughs> but it is demanding it is demanding your sleep schedule changes your everything at least for the first couple months, it's centered around taking care of that child. It is like the fact that you love the person and you delight in being there does not take away anything from, from the fact that it is still a demanding endeavor. And so just like Paul, Paul is not going to lie and say, oh, rejection, what is rejection, right? The people rejected him. Oh, persecution. What is, uh, is it not just no 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 that's not uh, you won't say, delight delight no 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 what he would let you know is that yes it is demanding it is uh it is it is painful but it is worth it and it's because it's worth it I can wake up every day doing it delight does not mean that it's not hard <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not hard it means it's worth it. And so because it's worth it, you will do it again. If if you could, you will time anytime. I'm willing to do, wake up and do the same thing every day. A farm, there are farmers that delight in their work. It doesn't mean waking up from morning to the under the hot sun, putting things in the ground is fun. There's no part of delight that means you won't get tired. You will get tired. You will get tired. And resting can seem like the easy alternative, but it is worth it. You reach out to athletes, to sports people. It is delight. They delight in playing soccer. They delight in running track. It doesn't mean that the sacrifices they put is not painful nonetheless. It doesn't mean so. So, delight does not mean that all of a sudden there is no pain involved. There is no determination. And there is no sacrifice. It just means that because you are so overwhelmed by the prayer. And that's why he says, an athlete, there's a price. A farmer, there's a harvest. You are so you are so fixed 
on what is to come that you're like it is worth it. yes exactly so it's literally the same analogy in hebrews who for the joy set before him endured so it was in quote a delight to go through that because there was joy coming but it doesn't change the fact that it was endurance so don't uh, feel that delight is some magical thing that somehow makes hard things not hard <laughs> no it's still it's still hard but it's worth it and because it's worth it you can go through the pain you can go through the demands and not in a sense be cast down while you do so um someone asked a good question in chat is this lifetime for all believers or for those called to church ministry every believer is called to ministry so this is the mindset or this should be the mindset of every believer what i said at the start is that the demands the practical demands on your life might look different depending on what god has asked you to do and so for paul what the demands of paul's ministry very few of us can remotely identify does that mean we would have a different mindset no for someone who is called to start a work the demands <laughs> the hardship might be more but we all should endure hardship does that make sense for some of you it might just be in balancing the secular and ministry it might just be that oh because of your commitment to christ you have to be a lot more intentional about your time you can't really just do things the way your co-workers do there are certain decisions you can't make because you know you still have work after your five five o'clock ends that might be your demand that might be your demand for others it is ridicule it is same if you are in for instance afghanistan this is very different than what it means to us now for you it is and you you know already i don't even need to explain do any exposition you know what it means to follow jesus in a persecuted land so it's it's um it's 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 this this is more of a mindset paul is describing a mindset to have in following jesus right the experiences might be different but the mindset should be the same whether you're called to pulpit ministry even even um itinerant ministry whatever it looks like whether you're called to be faithful in your local church and just serve you are a soldier you are a farmer you're an athlete you should be able to endure hardship you should be able to focus on what god has called you to do you should be able to be hard working and you should be disciplined someone asked what is the balance between wisdom and just being radical for jesus for lack of a better way to put it um so and that's why i love the bible so it's very easy if you read all scripture you will not run into extremes that's the truth like a lot of times say i let me just balance this and i get what i, I say that as well but what balance ultimately is is just presenting more scripture <laughs> Right, it's not saying that whatever scripture is saying is not true, so you have to balance. No, 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 no. And so, for instance, Jesus clearly said, "Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God." It says, "Oh, turn this um jump." He said, "Ah, he will send his angels to catch me." He says, "No." If you had read all scripture, you know that I shouldn't tempt God. And so, when Paul heard that they wanted to kill him, what did he do? He entered a basket and he was lowered. He didn't say end your hardship let them come and kill me no <laughs> do you get my point um 
in we we see the wisdom of God even in scriptures. This is not saying you are running head first into death in the name of I'm enduring hardship as a soldier of Christ. <laughs> Jesus had Herod wanted to kill him, and he left. <laughs> he left as if he said, "Carry the baby, or else the baby will die. <laughs> the baby will die." And so, um, um, and that's I, I also talked about this that people can twist and say, "What is sleep? Follow Jesus. What is this? Follow." And I said, "No, there is still a sense." Paul literally told Timothy in the last chapter, "Drink a little wine because you fall sick often." So, again, there's no instruction of God that negates any instruction of God. So, for instance, you can say, "Don't entangle yourself." What is a family? You, you, your, your children in school fees. You'll be like you say. You, you say, quoting the words of Jesus, "Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those that do the work, you are not okay. You've forgotten that there is also scripture that says a man that cannot provide for his household or does not, not cannot. Rather, I take that back. A man that does not provide for he's worse than an infidel. Do you get? So even in following Christ, there are commitments to your partner. Paul says um that make sure you people are not to get to separate for too long except for a time of prayer and then come back again so that the devil you know say i'm following jesus woman leave me alone you're not okay you should not have gotten married <laughs> do you get my point so um this is not a call to to neglect other things god has asked you to do to take care of your health to take care of your family to be a good worker it says to be diligent at work you say i am a soldier I'm not entangled. What is a nine to five? So you, the time they are paying you to be working, you are just doing whatever you want. You're not meeting your deliverables. That's bad. You are, in fact, you are not, that's that you're not competing according to it. So in your bid to fulfill that scripture, you are violating it. So the balance is found in all of scripture. There's no, there's nothing I would say now that would like that would be outside the Bible. Just say what is organic chemistry and there are people like that they didn't read they, they just say is it's souls souls are on my heart souls are on my heart you now go carry over you uh-uh uh-uh <laughs> calm down all right so the balance is in considering all of scripture all scripture informs us of what our priorities should look like what we should do what we should not do um god doesn't call us to neglect other things he has called us to do I don't know if that makes sense. So, um, this is not about willingly putting yourself in harm's way. This is not about foregoing other important aspects of your life. No, no. This is a mindset that in doing all that God has called me to do. So, for instance, if you think about it, right? I know this is not the direct context, but I've always said that once you understand what the author is saying, you can start to apply it healthy, in a healthy manner. So, in following Jesus... You're called to be a good spouse. So there is a sense in which being a good soldier, being a good farmer would look like being a good husband. There will be times where, let's say, your or a good wife, your partner does something that is wrong and it's upsetting. But you say what? I'm not going to divorce. I'm supposed to endure hardship. Do you see? So it's this is not... Do you get what I'm trying to say? This is a mindset as believers that in following jesus so that's why i said don't just think about pulpit ministry this is a call to following christ it's a character it's a it's how i handle every aspect of my life 
my relationships, my career, my everything. In following Jesus, there might be times I'm put in an uncomfortable situation. In following Jesus, there are times that I'll be put in a place where I really would not want to behave the way the Bible wants me to behave right now. But what? I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm an athlete. Do you get? So it's it's not this is not a radical nothing else matters i'm going to drop everything and just go to the mission fields of zimbabwe or something right if god calls you to that that's beautiful but consider all of scripture all scripture gives us wisdom to live in every facet of our lives in every facet of our lives so yeah that's why he says in verse 7 consider what i say and may the lord give you understanding so we're going to stop here today. First Timothy two verse seven. Sorry, Second Timothy two verse seven, and next week we're going to continue from verse eight. All right. Any questions? Any questions? Go ahead, Dami. Yeah, I I think in verse um chapter one, mm. um, when we were talking about Onesiphorus, yeah. Yes. And then he says, um, I mean, Paul said, the Lord grant mercy to his household. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's like based off on like the, um, like what, what he did to Paul in prison. And then I was looking at, um, what's the word? Um, Philippians 4.19 as well, where um, Paul said, my God will meet all your needs according to riches in um, yeah. Christ Jesus. So, so at like several instances, it seems like Paul prays in a way it looks like he's provoked by what someone did. Oh, yes. And then it's like, I did not do that thing. So can I exactly claim it? And then again, like, what does it mean when he, like, is it different from, oh, um, all of you in the church, like, God's mercy be unto you mm. versus, oh, because you did this, yeah. God's that's a very good question and the answer is very clear it is a response to what that person has done right so the philippians um met paul's needs and is like i'm so refreshed may god (laughs) right and i like that because it's like oh you're claiming a verse are you actually generous (laughs) are you generous right it says, my God shall supply all your needs. Thank you for supplying my need. It's a prayer, right? My God shall supply all your needs. Same thing with Onesiphorus. He cared for me. May he find mercy in that. So mercy there refers to a reward. Like may God reward him for what he has done. So the application will be that there is nothing we do for God and or for his people. And Jesus said the same thing, right? Even if you give a cup to the least of me, the reward is in heaven. So there's nothing, the application or the message behind that is there's nothing we do for God or for his people. No sacrifice we make that isn't going to be rewarded. Right? And that's the message there. Not that you just say, ah, may God grant you mercy. What did you do? So, of course, there is salvation. (laughs) Of God, God is a good father. But there is a sense in which there are people who their choices, through their choices, have gone the extra mile to do certain things and God will reward them. God will reward them. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yes, yes, it did. All right. Thank you. Good question. Any other question? All right. Um, If not, I'll pray and then we call it a day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for 
your word. Thank you for another time in your word. Thank you for all that we covered and all that we learned today. Whether it's the boldness to follow you, whether it's the mindset of a believer. And Lord, yes, these things are easier said than done, but there is grace. I just pray for any, every one of us struggling in one area or the other that help us to trust in your grace to be all that you've called us to be to be soldiers that can endure hardship soldiers that are focused on what you've called us to do to be athletes that are disciplined that run according to the rules to be farmers that are hard working help us lord not to do this grudgingly but for the reward and for the hope set before us to truly do this with joy and with gratitude, with honor. I pray that as believers, anyone struggling with boldness, that there is an overwhelming sense of your grace, that you've not called us to this walk alone. Help us to learn from the examples of your son, from believers in the Bible, from our leaders, from, from the body of Christ, and help us to be bold. Even in this season that we celebrate your resurrection, help us to be bold to everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you all so much for your time. It's always, always, always a pleasure and a privilege to go through God's word with you. Um, as usual, same time next week, we're going to go again. Um, so hope to see you all. Share this teaching with someone if it blessed you because it will bless them as well. Is anyone joining for the first time? Anyone joining for the first time? All right. You're all welcome. I would share my screen so we can take the benediction. So graciously prepared for us by Bukhian. <laughs> all right. Feel free to unmute yourselves. Let's take it together. One, two, go. I am a diligent student and doer of the word. I am a teacher of the word. The word is my growth. By the word, I am elected. By the word, I am trained in righteousness. And in the word, my spirit is joyful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you all. I'll see you next week. Happy Easter. Bye. Thank you.